When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. How are you, my friend? Very good. Um, We have delayed the recording of this episode several times, but we're finally getting it done at at arguably the last possible minute. And uh, but um, this was one I was looking forward to talking about, um, just because it's a very uh, nostalgic album for me. Uh, I remember getting it in high school, and and it's um, it's something that like I would forget to go back to for years, and then pop it in and be reminded how good it is. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, no, no question about it. Uh, Roland Grappo's Kaleidoscope album from 1999. I, I cannot believe this album is nearly 25 years old. That is. Well, imagine how Roland must feel. <laughs> I can I can only imagine. Um, but before we get there, uh, I feel like there's a lot of new music to talk about. And I feel like this is the time of year, kind of in the fall, where things kind of come out fast and furiously before the end of the year. And I feel like I'm drowning. But I'm, I'm curious to see if you heard anything this week that kind of caught your ear. Um, yeah, like a few things. Um, I feel like a lot came out just in this, this week. Um I, I think, uh, let's see, I'll start from uh, the top of my list here. Um, so Charlotte Wessels released another single from her album, Tales from Six Feet Under, Volume 2. The song is Venus, uh, v- easy for me to say, Venus Rising. And uh, and then a couple of days later, the whole album uh, came out. I haven't had a chance to listen to all of it yet, but the singles have been good. Definitely um, more of a kind of an indie rock kind of vibe. Um with like smatterings of, of metal, it, it kind of is interesting. Cause I feel like Charlotte's taken um, like bits and pieces of all her favorite genres of music and kind of, you, you know, ex- explored all of it uh, instead of it just being kind of a, a straight up metal album, which I kind of enjoy. Um, uh, continuing on um, two things from uh, the beyond the black camp. They released another single uh, winter is coming and um, you can now pre-order their, their next album's coming out, I believe in January uh, it's self-titled. And um, so you can check out that new single. And then uh, Amaranth released a new version of, uh, of, um, Oh wait, no, that's not right. Um, Amaranth released, yes. Amaranth released a new version of make it better, which was from their previous album, that we actually talked about uh, in long form when it first came out, but they made a new version that features uh, Jennifer Haben from Beyond the Black. So um, that's I think worth uh, checking out. And then, be- and then also, uh, Amaranth released another a uh, single uh, called Find Life. Um, I don't know if it was if it just was released or I'm just finding out about it now, but. Um, 
I don't know if they have a new album planned or this is just going to be a standalone single, but, um, so a bunch of, uh, a bunch of songs there all kind of related to each other. And then, uh, just real quick, um, ad infinitum, they just, uh, they're coming out with a new album at the beginning of next year called chapter three downfall. They released the first single upside down, which I, uh, posted in our Facebook group. And, uh, and then just to round that out, um, threshold, uh, released another single from their upcoming Dividing Lines album, and that single is called Complex. So um, quite a bit, and I'm sure you have more to add to the pile. I, I do, but before I kind of add a couple of things, that Ad Infinitum si- single was different. Like, it, it, it sounded very different from Chapter 1 and Chapter 2, their first two albums. It had a lot more of a, I don't want to say poppy, but like an electronic vibe to it or or a synthy type of vibe. And uh, growls, which growling vocals, which you didn't really hear so much on those first two releases. It was really interesting to me. Uh, I know it may not be everyone's cup of tea, but I'm I'm curious to see if the whole album is in that direction. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna guess that it isn't. I, I'm gonna guess that this is a a just a kind of a an original, not an original, just kind of like, like a standalone, yeah, yeah, an outlier. Um, but I, I think because of that style, it probably made for a good choice as the first single because it, it's very, uh, it's it's poppy and kind of I think sucks you in really quickly. Like it's a it's an easy listen. No, no question about it. And um, I, I think of everything you just mentioned, and, and you, there was a lot there. That that threshold album really has me curious because I thought their last one was just so good. Um, I have very very high hopes for this one. I hope I'm not let down, but then again, I don't think they've let me down in 30 years, so I'm not really sure that uh, that this is going to be the start of it. Yeah, well, we were talking off air earlier about um, you know constructing our our best albums of the year list, and I feel like I feel like my list is going to be topped with mostly albums that came out in the like second half of the year, or maybe even like the 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 the, the last third. Of the year because with Threshold and Avantasia and Dragonland and um, uh, Stradivarius, like there's just so many really strong albums that came out towards the back end of the year. Yeah, I, I normally I would say, oh, there's a recency bias there, but I don't think that's what it is. I mean, I've been saying it and I've said it a couple of times on the podcast. I thought the first six or eight months of the year were pretty weak i mean not that there weren't albums that i enjoyed don't get me wrong right now my number one album is still from the first month of the year but by the same token there was a lot of stuff that came out where i was like this is good it's just not great and i don't know i I, to your point a lot of heavy hitters and you mentioned a couple of them that are that are seem to be coming out at the end of the year which are definitely going to be at or near the top of my list there's there's no question about it yeah. Well, and don't worry, Steel Panthers on the Prowl album will not be coming out until next year. Um, I forgot early to mention front- they released they released a new single too. Early front runner for uh, album of twenty twenty three. Obviously, I mean now at least we've already we, we have number one. It's all downhill from here. Yeah, at least at least you could say it, early front runner for most divisive release of twenty twenty three. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that they uh, they always take the prize. Um, well, that, gonna- it'll be between them and Glory Hammer probably next year. Oh God, uh, it's going to be, can't, can't wait to talk about both of those in long form. Um, yeah, maybe we, of, could, maybe we could do that and, and do like an iced earth retrospective at the same time. It'll just... 
Oh, I mean, if if this if 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 everyone doesn't stop listening, then I I, I don't know what would do it. I think those three might just put us over. Metal the top. exchange canceled <laughs> for even covering this stuff. I, I think it's not even us. Um, yeah. Oh, what, what we can look forward to. Um, just a couple of things on my end. I, I wanted to mention before uh, before we get into Roland. Uh, there's a band out of Canada called Osiron, O-S-Y-R-O-N, and they released a new single called Beyond the Sun. To me, they sound kind of like a modern-day Queensryche. Um, you can kind of hear like what Queensryche was doing, and it's more like a modern spin on it. This is one of my favorite songs of the year. I am definitely going to post it this week so that people can take a listen. I thought this track was phenomenal, and if the album is as good as this song, um, there is a lot, a lot to look forward to. I don't have details at this point in terms of when the album is, I think, coming out. Uh, I had heard different things depending on, I guess, the source or what have you. Uh, I believe it could be as early as November 4th of this year, and I believe the album is going to be called Momentous. If this is... If this is uh, <laughs> If this single is any indication, this this is going to kick ass. I know I sent it to you. What were your thoughts? I liked it a lot. Um, it was, you know, we always talk about that uh, that more accessible prog sound, and I think that this band kind of falls right into that category. Um, I, I just, I was just like, yeah, this is this is good. Like right away, I'm just like, yep, this will work. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a feeling, as opposed to uh, like as opposed to what I'm going to mention now, which is another band which. They're a band out of Greece, and they're co- and this album was one of those things that kind of just escaped me earlier this year. The band is called Playgrounded, uh, and as I said, they're they're out of Greece. I think they're living in the Netherlands now, and they describe themselves as quote alternative metal and contemporary electronic metal. Um, uh, they they use comparisons like the Deftones and Carnival and the Ocean. I hear a lot of Tool in these guys, and they also have a bit of an electronic sound to them. But there was something really uh, captivating about their release that came out earlier this year. I'm going to try to post something from them as well. Um, They're another one of those bands that are on Pelagic Records, and they have just a whole lineup of really interesting post-metal and just kind of offbeat stuff that I find myself gravitating to. Uh, I can't say that they're an easy listen per se. There's kind of a lot going on, but at the same time, something attracts me to these guys. So I, I look forward to hearing more from them. As I said, their their uh, their new album it's called "The Death of the Death." It came out in March. Just completely passed me by, but I, I gave it a listen. Good stuff. Sounds sounds upbeat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, uh, the complete antithesis of uh, what we're going to talk about today in many respects. So um, without any further further ado, let, let's get to it. Roland Grappo's Kaleidoscope album, which I, as I mentioned, April 21st, 1999, this thing came out. And I, if I'm not mistaken, this might be the first solo album that we've talked about on the show. Uh, do you count Ingve? <laughs> well, I think, I think that's in a class all by itself. Um, He's a solo career. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, this, this, this is an interesting album for a number of reasons. Number one, I think that in 1999, when this came out, we may have been the only two people in high school in the entire country that had this thing because nobody, and I mean nobody to this day, talks about this album. Like it's just, it's kind of been lost to time. It's a solo album. It wasn't, you know, uh, I mean, obviously Roland was in Halloween at the time, but I think that everyone always said, it, you know, it's it's White Cat's band and stuff like that. It, this was kind of like lost to time for, for many reasons. 
but it has a bit of an all-star lineup on it, which I found fascinating. And there's a lot of great music on this thing, which again, nobody, nobody seems to talk about now, but they weren't even talking about it 20 years ago. I think it was also jog my memory. This was not a uh, domestic release either. I think we would have had to import this. It was released on SPV steam hammer. Um, I'm pretty sure we imported this. I, I, I'm trying oh, yeah, to remember yeah. if we if 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 Roland had dropped us like a song online just to give a taste, and we heard it, and we were just like, "Yeah, we need to buy this." Because I I didn't have his first solo album. I actually bought his first solo album after Kaleidoscope uh, because of how much I enjoyed it. Um, and I was and and that was another one that was not you know that had to be imported as well. Um, but I just had to hear it. Um, so yeah, this was definitely a something we had to import yeah and and to that point i i do i don't remember hearing anything about it other than the fact that it was coming out and at the time i was such a huge fan of michael Vissera's vocals you mentioned ingve earlier the seventh sign being one of our favorite albums as kids when i knew that roland and 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 Vissera were teaming up it was like just a must buy at that point because i was such a fan of, of his vocals Although, admittedly, now I don't think I'm as much of a fan as I used to be, which is kind of ironic, and I'll, I'll speak about that as we as we go forward. But um, the the lineup on this thing was was a bit of a an all star team before there were all star teams, uh, you know, if you will. It was Michael Vissera on vocals, it was Mike Tarana on drums, who was just an absolute beast. I mean, you might remember him from bands like Axel Rudy Pell, and obviously some of the Master Plan material later on, and Rage, and I mean, the guy's been just all over the place. I know he's played with Tarja as well. Um, you know, just a who's who of of of, of drums there. Barry Sparks on as well. Yeah, oh, exactly, 100%. 100%. Uh, Barry Sparks on bass, and then Ferdy Dornberg on keyboards, who I happen to love not only from his Axel Rudy Pell work, but from Rough Silk as well. And I know I'm kind of going deeper into the archives with that band, but, I mean, what a band Rough Silk was. And and his keyboards just lend itself very well to Roland's guitar playing. Yeah, talk about a guy that, like, I feel like doesn't get the – doesn't get the like the respect or the acknowledgement that he should because he's like a staple in German power like German power metal like just you know I I, I remember hearing his name did, he, he might have went on tour like with Halloween and he was just yes. there like he was just like their bat like he he played the keyboards but wasn't even on stage like yep. but he was part of their their touring. Yeah, a hundred percent, and and I think you'll enjoy this. Did you know that he was in Eden's Curse for a spell as well? I'm not surprised. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a good fit. He's, he's he's in good company with my good friend Steve Williams. <laughs> exactly, and that's why that's why I mentioned. It. I, I I obviously uh, I know you're a fan of of his work. Obviously, we've done the the, the whole Power Quest uh, retrospective. But Ferdy Dernberg has. It, it's not just that he's a good keyboard player. Obviously, he's a very good songwriter, and I think when you put the two together. I'm sure a lot of bands are happy to have him. Absolutely, yeah. It, it's it's an impressive uh, it's an impressive lineup of guys. Did you mention um, Barry Sparks? I'm sorry, I did, I did. Okay. But um, you know, just to kind of round out on bass, it's it, it. You know, as I was kind of listening to this again, it brought back a lot of memories of of that like late high school era where we were at the time. 
my question for you is, do you remember if you ordered this online or did we go to like slip disc records and kind of pick this up? I don't remember how I actually acquired it. I just remember getting it in close proximity to its release. Uh, my best guess is at least for me, I think I ordered it online. Um, I think it was one of those albums that I was like one of the imports you were able to order through CD now. And I think typically like the European imports kind of ran between like 20 and $25, um, as opposed to the Japanese ones that were usually between like 30 and 40. So I think it was like what we would have considered reasonable for a European import. Um, so I want to say, I feel like I remember like the albums that I physically would go to slip disc and buy. Like I just remember buying the, the lay all your love on me single uh, in, in anticipation of the metal jukebox album, which came out the same year as um, kaleidoscope incidentally, and was just recently um, re-released on vinyl um, by the band, which I saw a few people like posting that they bought Metal Jukebox on vinyl, which I thought was really cool because um, that was another album I felt like kind of fell by the wayside um, back in the day. Uh, just got like overwhelmed by all, all everything else that was coming out at the time. But um, I'd love to talk about that at some point. But uh, it seems like that was a time where the where Halloween was kind of, um, I guess, like taking some some somewhat of a songwriting break in between better than raw and uh and the dark ride and so clearly like I, I think metal jukebox was probably just a labor of love they just jumped in the studio and recorded their parts and picked a bunch of their favorite songs from the 60s and 70s and and um and the 80s and but i guess roland and uh and andy i think as well w- uh, released a solo album his solo, second solo album the same year which i don't remember enjoying quite as much i remember really enjoying his first uh solo album coming from the rain and then his second one uh done by mirrors didn't um didn't grab me quite as much whereas with roland um i think his second solo album as much as i enjoy the first one i think his second solo album is even better i agree with that i you know it kind of in anticipation of this episode i did listen to both i think the first one has its moments I think that this is a much more complete release. I think the production is a lot better. I think that the songwriting is a little tighter. And there's just more stuff on here that I gravitate towards. What I was curious to see is how it would hold up after all these years. Because I haven't listened to this, I think, in about five years. And prior to that, I don't know if I had listened to it in 10 years before that. So this was probably my second time listening to it in 15 years, if that makes sense. Um, That being said... I listened to it a bunch this week, and every time I listened to it, it kind of put a smile on my face because it just brought me back to a a simpler time when I wasn't having to worry about a mortgage and and all those things. So I, I, I definitely enjoyed it. I don't know if other people who haven't heard it would have the same affinity for it that I do. That is what makes me curious, and I hope that people will give it a listen and share their thoughts because I'm really curious for someone who's a metal fan to go back and listen to this and say, yeah, this is great, or it didn't grab me, or whatever you know, whatever they think. I, I'd just be very curious to hear that. I'll say this. if <laughs> The best way I can describe this album to somebody is if it came out today, uh, it would be on Frontiers. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. This, this, 
I didn't think about that, but that is a really good point. This screams Frontiers 2022. You know, yeah, like- it's just good old fashioned. Like, it's definitely. I don't think it's a power metal album. It's no, more of an no. AOR kind of like. It's really cool to me that, like, there are elements of Roland because his guitar work is so unique, and it, his even just the tone of his guitar. Is you can pick it out of at least I can I can pick it out of a lineup of, of and I'm not I'm no musician um but I just from listening to Halloween especially in the 90s I would listen to High Live on headphones and you would hear Roland's guitars in one ear and Wikey's guitars in the other so you were really able to differentiate between who's who and I just and then I also became a big fan of Roland's vocals as well because he had very prominent backing vocals on that live album um and you also kind of hear him a little bit on still we go which was a song that he wrote for master of the rings and um and then he i would come to find out that he sang his entire first solo album and he's got a very unique voice like no one's ever gonna i mean he's not i don't think he's as polished as mike vesser is on this album but um it's just i think it's very unique and i kind of enjoy hearing him sing he has a, I think it's like a tonality thing. I, he just has a very soothing voice to me. And I'm like, you almost want him to like sing you to sleep or something like that, because there's something about it, which is soulful and uh, melodic, but not that you wouldn't say that he's got, you know, four, you know, octaves of range. This is not King Diamond, right? Like this is something very different, but he's got a very clean voice, vo- vocal style. And I, I, I happen to like it. You know- you know what? It just dawned on me. I forgot. The fr- I think the first time I ever really heard him do like a full song was the cover, the Halloween cover of um, Closer to Home, which was a Grand Funk Railroad song, which I, my, to my understanding was one of Roland's favorite bands. And, and yeah. that was, um, I thought he did such a hell of a job singing uh, that. that. That cover makes the whole second disc of Master of the Rings worth it, in my opinion. I think it's the best song on that, al- on that second side of the album. Yeah, and there's a lot of good Halloween was like they were releasing some, some B-sides in the 90s that were better than a lot of bands A-sides. Like they were they were a band that just churned out extra songs. Even going back to the 80s when they when stuff like Don't Run for Cover and Living Ain't No Crime and Savage, like th- there's some really memorable Halloween songs that were B-sides. I think we should do an episode at some point on just Halloween B-sides. Like, how fun would that be? I mean... We'll record it right after we're done with this. I'm ready. <laughs> I don't even need to listen to them. I could probably do it from memory. But yeah, they're, they're one of those bands that... Um, there was a lot of material there that you could just make albums and albums worth of quality material just from the B-sides. And part of that, at least during this mid-90s era and, and late-90s era, was because of Roland. He was writing a lot of this stuff, and sometimes it made it out on the album, and sometimes it didn't, but there was just a lot of stuff there. I don't. But that being said, I don't think this album was ever going to make it on a Halloween album. There's one or two songs where I think they could that could have fit nicely on, on The Dark Ride, for example, but for the most part, this was a different exercise I think he was trying to... I think it was, again, it was like an AOR meets neoclassical composition and he just threw it on threw it on there i i I never saw these as like halloween songs that just never made it right and i kind of felt the same way about andy's first solo album too where it kind of had its own it's a little more halloween than 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 kaleidoscope was but um and there's even a song where like i think everyone 
in Halloween did like a guest part in it. There's like guest, there's like a guest bass. Uh, it's all in the same song. It's um, King of Seven Eyes or something like that. And, um, you know, like uh, Wikey and, and uh, you know, Marcus and, and whatever, they have little uh, solos in that song. But um, yeah, I, I as a matter of fact, I was just thinking about that. Um, I, I had mentioned last week, I was hoping to get Roland to do another interview with us. And we, we, we probably will still do it. It just won't be um, until next month, most likely, because Roland's got a pretty busy schedule uh, in October. Um, but I wanted to ask him if any of these songs were originally constructed to be like a Halloween song, because I agree with you like they don't really seem, I mean, maybe like you throw Andy's voice on it and, 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 and you throw like a little bit of extra guitar work with Wikey and maybe it can turn into it. But like the way these songs are constructed, they just sounded more like straight, straight on like rock and roll tunes, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I, personally like the change if i wanted to hear more halloween i would just go back and listen to better than raw and i'd be very very happy sure. um but this is this is a, a little bit of a contrast to that and, and to that end let's get into it because there's there's a lot here uh the, the album opens up with a four and a half minute song called walk on fire um there is no epic intro here there is no symphonic uh you know two minute interlude this just goes right into a kind of a mid-paced, straightforward, hard rocker. And when I was 19 years old, I adored this track. I just thought it was just such a great opener with that opening riff and the drums behind it. Um, I think I've kind of come back a little bit from this track. It's very simple and straightforward, but it's also very, very catchy. And I'll be honest, I don't know if you hear this, I think this is like kind of the first master plan track in many ways and was just a real precursor to what he'd be doing just a couple of years later. Um, I can almost hear Yorn singing this track in my head. Um, but tell me, do you have the same thoughts? I do later on in the album and I'll point it out. I don't know that I so much got it from this. And it might just be from Mike's vocals that they're just so so much cleaner than like a, a Yorn or, or a Rick Altsy that ha- really has that, that raspy kind of um, o- almost like just like angsty kind of uh vocal that I think master plan was, was built on. Um, and this is just really kind of smooth. There were parts of this album that reminded me a lot of an, of an Ingve record. Yes. Minus the, minus the like focus so much on Ingve that I feel like there's more, even though Roland gets his like neoclassical solos in and stuff like there's a lot of strong bass work on here. The keys play a a really important part on certain parts of the album. Uh, It it feels more like a a collaboration than a solo album, even though Roland, he wrote all the songs. I think Vessera um, may have co-wrote some of the lyrics, but Roland wrote all the songs. Um, I, I was with you like, I remember popping the CD in and the, and this was the first song and I'm being like, Oh boy, here we go. Um, this is, this is going to be good. This is just a, like you said, just a straight up, like just a straight up rocker. Great tune. Yeah, I, it is. Um, but, but not my favorite anymore. There's, there's a lot of songs on here that I actually like better, but I do think it's well-placed. It was a good opening track and representative for uh, a representative, uh, song for what was about to come. But then you get into a song like Under the Same Sun, track number two, and I think this is really where it kind of takes off like a rocket ship. Tell me, I want to hear your thoughts. 
Um, I think, I think this was the song that we had heard before we got the album. If, if memory serves, because I, I just remember being like, shit, if this album is going to be like this song, like it's going to be, we have to have it because right. the, I just remember us loving this song when it came out. And, and um, I, I still, whenever I hear it, it just starts out with that little drum riff to kick things off. And I'm just like, boy, this song just puts me in a freaking great mood. Like it, it's, it's, um, it's the lyrics are uplifting. The music is uplifting. It's, it's just an, it's an amazing song. I love this song. Um, it probably was my favorite song on this album for most of the album's existence. Uh, I have been, just flip-flopping on songs of the week with this album i i don't i still am, i'm not even sure what i'm gonna choose i'm gonna just kind of say it and it's just gonna blurt out when it when the time comes um a lot of these songs could be this song could be um i think i'm gonna hold off uh it's a little early for me uh but um <laughs> you gotta let yeah, it a little bit a song and i i just i remember clearly how much you liked it when we were kids i love it I love it. And what I like about it is that even though you have that neoclassical guitar throughout the solo on this thing, I thought that unlike an Ingve album, the keys, the keyboards really do a great job of complementing the guitar here. And the verses are good, but the, it's a, such a monster chorus. It's such a catchy chorus. Um, and to your point, uplifting and a happy chorus. And although I think it, of all the songs, I think this one might actually fit the best on the dark ride which would come out just a couple of years later. But at the same time, it was too happy and it wouldn't have fit the <laughs> the dark motif of that album. So it couldn't be on the album. But I could kind of hear the way that Roland wrote it. It it, 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 it just needed to be down-tuned a little bit or something like that. Um, the the vocal lines here are, are just fantastic. And, and the one thing I'll mention, what I love is that one thing Vessera does, and I don't know if this was Roland telling him to do it or if this was Mike Vessera's idea, he would often sing the same vocal line over and over and then towards the end of the song he would bend it he would either go up a little bit or down a little bit and just tweak the vocal line a bit and it was enough to just kind of throw a curveball where a song was a little samey and then he would do that and be like all right it was just just different enough that it was uh you know really kind of grabbed you he does it well on this track in particular I, I, i i i have nothing nothing bad to say about this song yeah, I, I found myself, I was driving back from Albany yesterday and I listened to this album again and I found myself just belting out the, the lyrics. Like it's just, it's such a fun song to sing along to and there are some notes that I am not capable of hitting, I will tell you that much. But um, I just, <clears throat> like you said, ever since I heard that that Seventh Sign album from Ingve, which still remains my, my favorite Ingve album, Pure pyramid of pork chops uh notwithstanding um i was always fascinated with with vesera and could never understand why he wasn't really on anything else and never knew where he came from or how ingve found him but i, I could see why roland chose him i, I thought he was such a, a great choice here uh to, to be the the singer i think the last time what was, what was the last thing he appeared on he was on magic kingdom's newest album he was their vocalist was, Is yeah that- that he was on Magic Kingdom's newest album, and apparently he was with a band and still is called Dramatica, who released an album in 2020. I'd be lying if I said I heard it, but the irony is, check this out. So I'm just looking it up. 
Dramatica, a U.S.-based band, uh, Diego Ramirez on guitars, Mark Zonder on drums, Mark Bowles also doing vocals. I, I don't know how I haven't heard of this thing. Like, I'd never heard of it, and yet he's singing with Mark Bowles and playing with Mark Zonder. Uh, this one just completely passed me by, I guess. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I, I do remember like how- that. I remember that MVP band that he started yes. after he was uh, after Ingve sent him packing. Uh, I think it stood for the the Mike Vesser project. And um, was there an uh, what else did he do? He was, I remember he was on the Reign of Terror with Joe Stump. Yes, I remember the bootleg. Um, I think they did a co- like an Ingve cover, and like Mike Vesser called him. Uh, I forgot what he said before the song. He's like, this is a cover from like Satan himself. I don't think that's exactly what he said or like the devil or whatever, like just uh, kind of a, a, a slight jab at, at Ingve because it doesn't seem like anybody that worked with him ever <laughs> seemed to get along with him or, or left his presence in, you know, a, a mutual fashion. I mean, was it was it that Ingve was a bad guy, or was it that every single musician that ever worked for him was a bad guy? I mean, He's, he was just a terrible judge of character. I think that's yes, what it was. <laughs> yes. I that that must be must be what it is. Um, <laughs> after that, like fantastic track, we get to the hunger, which is one of the two longest songs on the track uh, on the album, clocking in at over six minutes. This was a song that when we were kids, I don't know that I gravitated to as much because it isn't as instantaneously catchy as some of the others. But I've done a 180 on this one, whereas other ones I used to love and maybe I don't like them so much. I think The Hunger is just fantastic. It has this really interesting intro with these keyboard patches and drums, which is kind of an interesting way to start a a song on a guitarist's solo album. I, I don't exactly know why but this one is a little bit proggier than some of the other songs and even though the verses and the choruses there's like a juxtaposition here where like the verses feel kind of dark and then the choruses are more uplifting and it's just the way it's constructed um the songwriting here is really really good and it kind of reminds me of something that i i heard on like jorn uh, Yorn's solo material. I can't pinpoint it, but this sounds familiar, but like not that close. Just kind of jog my memory of something I heard like on a Yorn solo album at some point. Yeah, this song was always lost on me because I loved the first two songs so much because they were so like like fast and heavy. And then the fourth song was like uh, Heartbeat Away. It was like one of my favorite power ballads in high school. So this one kind of, because it was more of a mid-tempo and, and just kind of a more, um, kind of just like a mid-tempo AOR kind of style song, like, it just never really grabbed me. It's still not one of my favorite songs on the album, but it's I, I definitely like it more than I remember liking it. Um, it I think it's a, a good song. I don't think it's a great song. Um, but then, like, I will say, like, the next four tracks that middle part of the album is to me is just so it's so good it really hit me like re-listening this album how the middle of this album is just such a beast um but uh yeah this this is kind of i think just setting the table for like this just kill, killer mid middle part of the album and and you you kind of said it already a heartbeat away is it my favorite power ballad of all time 
Maybe uh, it's it's in the conversation. <laughs> this song is also perfect. It I, I wouldn't change a single note of this song. It is has great lyrics. It's very emotional, and it ha- the guitar work is guitar work that I like to say it, it sings to you. It's almost like another instrument when he's doing the solos on this song, and you can almost feel the emotion in each one of the notes. Um, it's so simple and so effective. My one request is that you you make this your wedding song at some point so that I can watch <laughs> you dance to it. Like that that's how good this song is. It, it is it is a song that nobody talks about, but this could have been a radio hit like in nineteen ninety and nobody would have batted an eyelash. Uh I think you said it perfectly. And I just think that, that Roland needs to get credit. He's I think he's one of the most underrated songwriters. Um the songs that he wrote for Halloween are, are part of the reason why I consider a, a Halloween, any Halloween reunion to be not complete unless him and, and Uli as well to a slightly lesser extent uh, without them involved. It's not a true Halloween reunion because I think that they're the only, they're the only members uh, ex members of Halloween that um, are not involved in the, current reunion that truly deserve to be or, or spent any significant amount of time in the band. But when you go back and you listen to master plans, pumpkins album, which was their, their last uh, studio album, they, they re-recorded all of the songs Roland had wrote for Halloween. And when you go back and listen to that, you realize like, damn, like Roland wrote some really, really, really memorable and important songs and not that Halloween would ever play them live nowadays, but like, you know, the chance and, and, uh, and mankind and like some, just some of my favorite Halloween songs ever were written by Roland and, and a handful by Uli as well. Like talk about Mr. Torture and, um, a million to one, which are a couple of songs that Uli wrote. I mean, he, I think he's the only Halloween drummer that has any songwriting, uh, credits in the history of the band. So I think that's worth mentioning, but yeah, uh, getting back to Roland, I mean, his songwriting is just so good. And I think that he um, he kind of was like on the, the brink of it with the first solo album. I think there's a couple of really good tunes on there. But like on this one, I think he he, he really hit like a double, a triple or a home run uh, on just about every song on this album. But I think this song was one of the home runs. Well said. And I think after a song like that, you need to change it up a little bit. I think we would, another ballad would have been a terrible decision, but that's not what you get with Hidden Answer. This is a song with a fantastic intro, and it's one of the highlights on the album for me. The verses are a little mundane, but the chorus rocks, and you get that toe-tapping beat to it. You kind of just want to rock out to it. And throughout the entire song, there are these like little guitar interludes, which really kind of mix the song and help kind of push it through. Um, I just absolutely, they're not really solos, but they're just these little guitar ditties that (laughs) um, help the song a bunch. My only question about this track, and I want to get your thoughts, but my only question is what's up with that jungle beat at the end? The outro (laughs) to this song is like kind of weird and I don't understand it. And I would love to ask Roland that very question. It just takes you out of the moment a little bit, but there's got to be a reason for it. So you're going to laugh. This is what that part always made me think of, like, uh, or makes me think of now. At the time, 
the comparison didn't exist, but um, in, I believe, I want to say it was in 2003, um, one of the first movies The Rock was in or started, I think it was the second movie The Rock ever started in, was a movie called The Rundown. And um, the, the whole premise of the movie is that The Rock had to go down to El Dorado and get Sean William Scott Sean William Scott's character, um, the rock worked for Sean William Scott's father and his father wanted, um, I, sh- I guess I should mention that the rock played a bounty hunter basically. Um, gotcha. and so he had to bring back this guy's son because uh, the son like owed his dad some money or something like that. And so, um, there's a scene where the rock gets captured by some natives and they make him fight these natives and they're like ju- these jungle warriors and they would like, like um, they would like go flying on vines like Tarzan and like attack from vines and Sean William Scott called it like Tar- Tarzan jujitsu or something. And while this is going on, there's like these tribal drums being played. And like, now when I go back and listen to this song, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm just like taken back to that scene in the rundown. It's so weird. And then, and then the f- the funniest part is at the very end, you just hear like Mike Messer just be like, that's enough. And then it just ends. <laughs> It's, you can't make it up. And now I guess I, it was Brian Gewertz, a fan of Roland Grappo. We just didn't know <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, like, what was going on me. here? Has to be. Uh, I mean, um, it's a, other than the outro, which is just different. It's a great song. And I, I'm sure you're going to agree because it's in that meaty section of the album for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was always a favorite of mine. I thought going into listening to this album again, I thought this was going to be my song of the week, but it's, it's actually not. Um, but it is one of my favorite songs in the album. I think this until the end, both um, after that that power, that really excellent power ballad, it just are two like uh, again like the first two tracks, just two really uh, meaty and and heavy rock songs. And I think that they really bring it. And and uh, I'm a big fan of, of both tracks. What are your thoughts on uh, till the end? I, I don't love it. I, I think this song is very Seventh Sign Ingve ish to me. Arpeggios and all, right? Like this. This is Roland showing his wares on the guitar, and he does a great job. But there's just something about it where, like, even though it's faster paced and it's a nice hard rocker, the chorus is just a bit meh. I just don't love it. I don't gravitate towards it. I think it's a good song, and I certainly think it has its place on a solo album like this. It's just that there's better material on here for, for me. Um, not my favorite track, but it should be on the album if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I like it a, a bit more. Um, I just, I just think it's like a really like fun toe tapping rocking song. That uh, after hidden answer, like they could have slowed it down after hidden answer, and they were just like, oh, let's let's put two like real, like really like fast paced and 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 fun songs uh, one after the other. Um, I also kind of dig the um, kind of the lyrics of this. Um, it's 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 interesting. I don't think I ever paid attention to the lyrics on this album until like this week. I was starting to like actually read them and, and see kind of what Roland was going for. In general, they tend to be pretty upbeat, but this one's kind of, you know, like darker. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll say this. The next track, and I'm going to make it my song of the week, is because of all the songs on this album that I've kind of come full circle on, the title track Kaleidoscope is definitely um the one that I've, I've, I've come to love more than some of the others. I, I never paid this track much mind, but I absolutely love it now. And I'll tell you why once we take a listen. Count every minute before time is over now. 
Okay. Go back a couple of years before this album comes out. Halloween releases Time of the Oath. The title track, which is kind of the big epic or one of the big epic songs on that album is written by Roland. This song, Kaleidoscope, both in terms of the guitar work and the sound effects and just the whole pacing and cadence of the track reminds me of Time of the Oath, but it's different enough that you'd never say it's a clone. It's just written in the same style. And although I don't know that I, again, appreciated it, in 1999, I love this track now, and it's one of my favorite tracks on the album. So I'm making it my song of the week just so I can hear it again um, middle of the week this week. Um, so you went back in time when you heard this song. I went forward in time and heard this is the song that would have been a master plan song um, to mm. me with the with the Middle Eastern kind of uh, vibe to it, um, which in, in retrospect, it makes me laugh because... Um, Roland would leave Halloween. He would get replaced by Sasha Gerstner. And one of the first songs Sasha Gerstner wrote for Halloween was Sun for the World, which had this kind of um, like Middle Eastern vibe, like intro to the song, which it's kind of like, uh, that's, you know, uh, you know, was it uh, six of one, half a dozen of another? Um, I, uh, I've come to really enjoy Sasha as a songwriter for Halloween. I think he's gotten so much better through his tenure with the band. I was a little nervous when uh, Rabbit Don't Come Easy came out. That was kind of a a very weird Halloween album, very uneven, even though there's some really good songs on it. Um, but uh, I was worried because, you know, like I mentioned before, you 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 can two of of the the important songwriters from the band because. Wikey and and Andy kind of were splitting the songwriting duties with Roland and Uli. Like the four of them were doing the bulk of the songwriting, and then Marcus's stuff would always just end up getting ended up as bonus tracks and B sides. Poor guy. Um, so I was worried. I was like, "What are they gonna? How are they gonna replace like these these songwriting dynamos?" And and I think Sasha's real. First of all, Sasha turned out to be a great songwriter, and Andy Darris' songwriting, I think, has gotten so much better over the years, and that last album that we talked about in long form, their most recent one, really, I think, showcases some of his best work. Um, but going back to uh, Kaleidoscope, same for me that, like, I don't even really remember this song that well, and I was every time I listened to it, I liked it a little bit more, and I'm like damn, this is really one of the best songs in the album. And maybe again, my high school mind, it was just like, it was too like mid tempo and, and kind of, maybe I thought it was boring, kind of like the hunger was, and this one I think is even a, a little bit even slower than the hunger. Um, but yeah, like just your, your classic Roland kind of like, I don't plotting's the wrong word. Cause I feel like that's like a negative connotation, but like, um, it just has this this tempo that that's like really um, deliberate. I think would be a better word for it. And, and it's just there's great guitar solos. Um, it's such a really good song. I also was going to make it my song of the week, but I think I, I you know what I might just change my answer, my hidden answer, if you will, <laughs> to, ah. the, to to later on, so that we can have um, you know more than one uh, sample in the episode. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. Um, it's time for, I guess, the second of the two ballads. The the one thing I can say about Angel Face, it's it's 
it's a great song and it's a very good ballad and it's rare to have two very good ballads on the same album in my opinion it's just not a heartbeat away so it gets knocked just because of the other ballad on here which is just absolutely perfect but this one is more of a piano laden ballad um and and as i said it's really rare to have two good ones and this is a very good song it's just not as good as is the prior one but it's also better that it's on the back half of the album and just kind of slow it down a bit because it's business is going to pick up with some of these latter songs yeah um if memory serves i want to say roland wrote this song about his wife um I, i'm i'm basing that on something i probably heard in 1999 or 2000 so um again hopefully we can talk to roland and he could set the record straight but um yeah i i was never a huge fan of this one i think that it kind of has a little bit more cheese factor than a heartbeat away um but it's a good song it, it's probably I would say this and The Hunger are probably my two least favorite songs on the album. Um, but again, like that's not really a big knock because I really, really like every other song on this album just that much more because of how good they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's that's really pretty much pretty much it. It's it's pretty good. This actually reminded me more of an Ingve kind of ballad than than a Heartbeat Away did. Well. If if the ball if, if the ballad does listen to the lyrics definitely has that Ingve feel to it and it's it's obviously a pun because if you listen to the lyrics this this particular track is is really nothing more than a four minute instrumental so I mean it's kind of funny <laughs> um, very neoclassical very much in the Ingve style uh, just an enjoyable composition all the way through and I love I love how every instrument on this particular song has their own solo. So even though it's the Roland Grappo solo album, it doesn't, it's not over self-indulgent with the guitars. There's a bass solo on this. There's a keyboard solo and obviously uh, Roland doing his thing as well. Just a really well-crafted instrumental track. Yeah. And I love the, um, I love that there's keyboard orchestrations throughout the song that kind of adds this a whole other layer uh, to, to the song. That's not just, it, you know, Roland just being, uh, uh, you know, noodling for four minutes, uh, yeah. as, the, as they say, like it, it, it just really feels like a, a really complete song. And, and I always laughed that it was called listen to the lyrics and it was the one instrumental song on the album. Um, and- you definitely can hear some of the, the solos that he would do in Halloween, but it's almost like a four minute version of that. Um, yeah, and, yeah. and, and go back, speaking of Halloween B-sides, go back and listen to Grabowski's Malm Suite in D Doll, 1001 in D Doll, would you get to hear another song of Roland just kind of uh like wanking for a few uh, minutes? But but well done and like obviously almost an obviously a nod to to Ingve, but really well done. But the one thing and, and this is in a stroke of irony, as we listen to the end of listen to the lyrics. There's a dog at the end of this song. And last week we spent how much time talking about Freddie Mercury's cat, Delilah. How ironic is this? There's a dog at the end of this track. What I read something about the dog recently and it's, it's, uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I, I can't remember what it was that, um, the dog was no longer with us or something like that, which makes sense. The album was, released you know forever ago but um 
Yeah, I mean, I couldn't tell if it was a, it was on the album or it was just my dogs barking, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, ironic. Also, not, to, not to be, not to be, not to you know, not to be missed is the that this album was recorded at the Crazy Cat Studio. So uh, I mean, the, the, it's 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 raining cats in, and dogs in, 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 metal Tennessee. in Tennessee, no less. Really, I didn't know. Yeah, that. Crazy Cat Studio is in Tennessee. I. I mean, where else would you go to record a well, a that's, that's what Hammerfall does, isn't it? Don't they record in Nashville? Do they really? I thought that's where they, their albums were recorded. At least one of them was at some point. Nothing, nothing, nothing surprises me anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I, I had no idea. I just want to see Oscar Dronjak walking around Nashville, Tennessee, in his WrestleMania T-shirt. I just feel like, <laughs> have you ever seen anything like a, a mix of worlds in your life? Yeah, eating bagels with Oscar Dronjek in the middle of Atlanta, but that's a story for a, another podcast. Um, reaching higher. Uh, uh, now, now we're getting back into that power metal style a little bit. I think of all the tracks on the album, this one is probably the most power metal of all of them. Um, blistering fast guitars, double bass drums. Uh, I have, I, w- I have to share some thoughts about this especially about the chorus. But before we get there, I want to hear what you have to say because this reminds me of something and just in the way that this song was structured. And I'm curious to see if you you hear it as well, but I, I want to give you the floor. Uh, I don't know that I, there's anything that it specifically reminds me of, but yeah, like you said, it, it's kind of getting back to the uh, another speedy song. It's going to be the last like fast song on the album. As a matter of fact, it's going to be the last song on the album that has any instruments that are plugged in um so uh but yeah it's good it's i it it falls slightly under um walk on fire under the same sun hidden answer till the end as far as like i've considered those four plus this one as the five uh fast tracks on the album and then the hunger and kaleidoscope would be the two mid-paced tracks listen to the lyrics would be the one instrumental and then you have the two power ballads um and then we'll talk about the last track next but um again like a really i still think it's a really good song um i just think it just falls a little bit short of those other the other four faster songs for me the the chorus here has a bit of that like cheesy melodic quality to it and just the way it's constructed i actually hear power quest on this song i feel like this yeah i'm not that doesn't surprise me actually you know i could definitely hear that I, 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 and as, as the resident power quest expert, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not crazy to say that. Um, I completely forgot about this song of all the tracks on here that I just, they all kind of popped and resonated with me. And I remembered them all this one. I completely forgot about, but it's, it's good. It's well-placed at the back end. And then you get to the last official track, Lord, I'm dying. I love that acoustic guitar sound on this track and the vocals too are just absolutely fantastic. And it reminds me of that Grand Funk Railroad cover that we talked about, you know, earlier. Um, this is a fantastic song. I think it's one of those tracks that it makes me want to be able to play the guitar just because I want to be able to play this song, Lord, I'm Dying. I, I, I think it's a great way to end the album. And there is a bonus track at the end. I don't even know if you're aware of this, but we'll, we'll get there. Uh, so this was a song that I, when I was in college, I played for Knops and he, I remember him really liking it. And, and I think that he actually went on to really enjoy this album. Um, he was, he texted me when he heard that we were doing it and he was excited, which was kind of cool. Um, this song is the, the, I think the biggest outlier on the album because it's the only uh, really like 
acoustic song, but it's such a good song. And uh, obviously it, it's going to be the song of the week for me because there aren't any songs left, but um, <laughs> uh, I just think it's such a cool tune. Um, Vesser's vocals are just, you can really just hear them like side by side with the, the acoustic guitar. Um, just a really cool acoustic I, I guess you'd call it a ballad. It's an acoustic ballad. It's just a really beautiful, well-written song. Um, and uh, let's uh, let's give it a listen. It's really going to be interesting hearing the dichotomy between this and your choice, Kaleidoscope, because like the two songs in this album, I don't think that could be more different. Let's hear it. I haven't seen you far too long. I'm missing so much. Missing your touch. Take me back to your loving I've waited for so long Now I can't remember But memories are gone Take me This is the kind of song that, as I said, makes me want to play guitar. It also makes me wish I could sing. Either one I would take because it's it's such a beautiful song. Um, but there is a bonus track, and I, I don't know if you are aware of this. They do a cover of Journey's Separate Ways on the end of this album, and I never had it. I always had the uh, the European import like we discussed earlier, but on the, on the Japanese version, they did a cover of Journey's Separate Ways, and it's really well done. It's actually a very good cover track. Have you heard that? Uh, yeah, I, I, I um, have made a point in my life to make sure I've heard every single Halloween and ex-Halloween members solo songs, uh, no matter how rare or, or not released in, in the U S and, and this, this definitely is one of them. There's, um, not, not to be outdone. There's a, um, there's a cover that Roland did as a B side for his first album, the four seasons of life, which was a cover of Kansas's hold on, which is another, another fantastic, uh, cover, just a, a very very different uh, song. Definitely more of a, a more of a ballad, and, and obviously has Roland singing other, uh, instead of Michael. But um, the um, I thought their version of Separate Ways was really well done. I mean, I don't think that it was. They weren't really like re uh, reinventing the wheel on this song. It sounds very similar to uh, at least musically to the the Journey version. Um, obviously, uh, Mike Vesser and Steve Perry couldn't be more different as vocalists, but I think that um, he does a hell of a job. Um, I just think the whole thing is really well done. And, and as somebody who uh, really enjoys journey. And I think that um, this is one of my favorite journey songs, uh, wheel in the sky, my all time favorite, but um, love to hear a metal version of that song, by the way, I think that would be incredible. Um, but I thought this was really cool. And, and um, I feel like everybody always, um, 
like don't stop believing is always the, 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 the resident journey choice for most people. And to me, it's just kind of become that obnoxious, like bar song that is overplayed and journey just has better songs or, or just more interesting songs. And this, this to me is one of them. The original music video that journey did for this is hilariously, uh, eighties or seven. I think it was eighties when it came out. It just, um, just, bunch of dudes in mullets and mustaches marching around like in tight jeans um you know you said you think like glam metal has embarrassing music videos in the 80s go watch this the journey's separate ways music video and <laughs> have yourself a laugh the the video may not be much to look at but the song is phenomenal and it holds up exceptionally well so uh, i just think it's a great cover i'm i'm curious you know with the benefit of hindsight, and I acknowledge for me, there's a bit of a um, nostalgia pop here. And I think that it may be reflected in my score. I admit that up front. What are you giving this on a scale of one to 10? Having gone back, I, I thought it was a very interesting selection and I, I thank you for choosing it. Um, you know, I, I, this was another thing that I kind of struggled with is trying how to rate this album. Um, because my, my instinct is to give it a nine, but I don't know that it really should be a nine. And I don't, I think I feel like 8.75 is too low. So I'm going to go with an 8.875 uh, for, for Kaleidoscope. Um, I just, uh, it's def there's definitely a, a nostalgia factor and this isn't like a, this isn't like a, a, an important album in, in the pantheon of heavy metal, but I think it's totally just a really enjoyable, fun listen, just like anything else. I mentioned Frontiers before, like anything else that you'd hear that Frontiers would put out, just good, good, catchy AOR. Um, and it's just, that's the kind of stuff that I just enjoy is just really solid songwriting and, and stuff that's accessible. And I could just listen to once and just be like hooked in. So um, that's, that's what I would give it. Um you, I, I don't know that you'll go that high, but that's kind of how I feel between the nostalgia and the, the quality of the of the songwriting. I can't go that high, but I also acknowledge this is just – am I going to put it up there with Mindcrime? No, but I just enjoy this album a lot. And even though I don't really listen to it so much anymore, I found myself so happy to go back and put it on. I played it every day this week. It was just really enjoyable for me. Um it's a meaty album. It, it clocks in at almost an hour. And with the bonus track, I believe it actually is over an hour, but it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't drag. It's every song is so separate and distinct from the last that it really kind of flows. Well, I give it an 8.25, which is a very good score for an album. That's kind of been lost to time in many ways. Um, I'm a fan. I loved it. I, I I'm, I'm glad you chose it. I thought it was an interesting selection and I'm, I'm happy that we had a chance to cover it. Uh, we have a lot of interesting stuff in the works and I'll get to some of that in, in, a, in a few moments, but I want to talk about some news items and I think you got a little special treat planned as well. The, yeah, the first... I, I just do want to say one last thing. Just yeah, to yeah. I hope, I hope that two things I hope, hope one, I hope that we can talk to Roland about this and, and maybe also a little bit about his first solo album, but maybe kind of, uh, talk to him about things outside of Halloween and master plan. I think he might enjoy a little bit outside of the box conversation. But the other thing I really hope is that um, if anybody out there is not familiar with this album, just give it a listen. I just think you're going to enjoy it. I think that, like I said, like it's not, it's not going to blow anyone's socks off, but I think it's just a really enjoyable album. And I think that it deserves more, uh, more attention than it's probably gotten in, in the, uh, the, you know, was it 
23 years that it's been out. So yeah, well, definitely, uh, definitely well said. I think that is a nice way to put a bow on it. And I, uh, echo all of those sentiments. Um, we, we are going to see Iron Maiden in what next week, I guess it is. We're going to go see them with, within temptation here on long Island. And ironically, as, as Iron Maiden is kind of wrapping up their world tour, they've just announced, uh, what they called the future past tour of 2023. And I think what they're doing is they're kind of going to add some songs to the set list from Sinjutsu, which they may not have played on this leg of the tour. And they're also going back to somewhere in time and incorporating a lot of those songs from that period of the band's discography. I'm really curious to see what they're going to play. Is it possible that they go back and they play like Alexander the Great or something like that? I, I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. Just to really, you know, if Iron Maiden announces a tour, I'm going to do my best to see it. And I've caught them on almost every tour they've done, I think, since 2004 when they got back together or whatever it was. I I am very, very excited to to see what this new tour is going to sound like. And obviously in the short term, I think we're going to have a blast next week. So this is going to be my third time seeing the band, and this is going to be the first time seeing them do a set that isn't a throwback set. Um, I've I've never heard Iron Maiden do a song live that came out potentially after Fear of the Dark. Um, wow. And maybe not even anything from Fear in the Dark. I'd have to go back because I saw them on their uh, – I saw them with you for the first time when they were doing their um, – do you remember what – they were which tour yeah, it was they like were a live after death tour, which is still one of the most ridiculous yeah, things and then, I've ever seen. And then the second time I saw them, they were doing the Made in England, um, the you know re reboot, I guess you would say. And so they played. Um, I think did they play? Um, played Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. I think that was the the longest track of the of the night. Um, but just you know all all classics. So I've not I haven't heard them ever play a a song from the, the Bruce Dickinson reunion era, uh, which we're still 22 years later, uh, you know, well into. Um, So it'll be kind of cool to hear them play a mix of new and old for the first time, but also getting to see one of my favorite bands within temptation playing in an arena, which I think is going to be very cool. I can't believe it. It was. It reminds me of when I saw Dream Theater open for Iron Maiden, and I couldn't believe I was watching Dream Theater play at Madison Square Garden. This is going to have a very similar feel, so I think we're going to have a blast. And I'm sure we'll talk about this, and we'll talk about uh, Epica and Sabaton, which we're also going to catch uh, the, the, the weekend after. So it should be a fun couple of weeks for us. And speaking of fun couple of weeks, another band has announced a pair of North American shows. I can't believe I'm saying this. And this is a band which I be the first one to admit, I don't necessarily quote unquote get as much <laughs> as other people do, but I'm sure going to try and we have our tickets. Powerwolf has announced two North American dates, February 23rd in New York City, February 24th in Montreal. This is becoming quite the event. I know people that are flying in from all over the country to go see this show in New York City. I think we should do a metal exchange, and I haven't even run this by you, so I'll just put it out there for everyone to hear. I think we should do a metal exchange get-together before the PowerQuest show for those that are in New York City uh, next February. Well, uh, man, this 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 show should be renamed to Prog Power Comes to New York because so many of our our friends from Prague Power Texas and uh Tennessee and and 
and that's just the ones I've heard about so far. Um, and even, you know, our friends in, in Connecticut and like people are, are North Carolina. Be, I mean, I, yeah, I literally people are, know people flying in from all over for this. Yeah, thing. People are going to travel for the show. I mean, the, the other show is in Montreal. So like, obviously it's easier to probably travel domestically than have to fly into another country, even though for a lot of people, it's probably the same distance. Um, Cause you know, Montreal is really what nine hour drive from New York city. Yeah, or something so. like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, super far away. But, um, you know, I think of, um, I feel like Power Wolf is the kind of band that, that is, it reminds me of Ghost in the way that they're, um, that they're seen by people. There's people that are like, just die hard fans, absolutely love them. And then there are people like you that are just kind of like, eh, I don't get it. Like, I don't, I, and I, I hear, I mean, Ghost is definitely a bigger band but so there's more people shrugging their shoulders and going like eh, i don't get ghost and i i happen to like ghost but i happen to like power wolf quite a bit more it's um to me it's kind of like just pure power metal but meeting like the 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 sabaton histrionics and and instead of wars, it's vampires and and werewolves and shit like that. So I, I uh, let's put it this way: I like them enough that I was going to see this show. So I obviously I got the tickets. I am curious. I, I we we are going to do a Power Wolf episode before this concert. I have no doubt about that. And I'm gonna really do a deep dive into some of their some of their back catalog just to. Like I said, I like them. I, I've, I've always liked the band. I just can't say that they're my favorite band or that I think they're the best thing that's come out in the last 10 years. But maybe I just need to give them more time. I, I was impressed with the um, the price of the ticket. I feel like they could have gotten away with sell, like like being like tickets are 75 bucks. Like I think that's what the price point was for uh, when Avantasia came to New York City for the first time. And nobody had any complaints about paying $75 to see Avantasia. Um, they could have charged $75 for the show. They charged $35, which after Ticketmaster fees was $135. But <laughs> still, $35 uh, face value is kind of a bargain to see this band that we never thought would play a show in the U.S. So I am, I am so excited. And I have a feeling I may be converting to the Church of the Wolf after the show, but who knows? We'll, we'll see. But yeah, emin- eminently reasonable. When, when I realized that tickets were $50 all in, inclusive of fees, I, I felt like I was... I felt like I was going to pay for a movie nowadays. I mean, it we're going to really- spend more money eating that weekend than <laughs> eating. We're going to spend more money eating that night <laughs> without, without question. And I can't wait. So it's uh come join the party. We'll be hanging out before and after the show, I am sure. Um, and uh, I think you had a couple of news items you wanted to bring up. Yeah. So this is kind of a new, uh, a new segment I wanted to introduce to you. Uh, I, I brought it up earlier and it's, um, it's it's called uh, metal metal news. Uh, I, I need to come up with a name for it. Uh, uh, metal metal news um, roulette, maybe. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll come up with a title later. But um, I so I put together a bunch of um, metal news pages on Twitter and made it a list. And I'm going to just hit you with a handful of headlines and just get your instant reaction to it. Um, and see uh, what you have to say about it. So uh, we start out with King Diamond bought a Corvette with Metallica royalties. 
So this had to be from when Metallica covered the Merciful Fate stuff on Garage Inc., I'm assuming, back in like 98 or 97, 98, something like that. I'm guessing. But uh, because I would know. I, I, I only read the headline. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when, I, when I hear royalties, it's got to be from that album. Um, listen, obviously Metallica. That's, no, that's it, correct. Um, all right. I, I like it. Yeah. Um, payday good, good. from the, the Merciful Fate medley. Good for the king. I mean, he was able to get a $75,000 car off of a Metallica song for stuff that he wrote 15 or 20 years before that. So good for him. I, I, that's, uh, I, I hope he saved his money, and I hope the car is still in his uh, driveway. Okay. Uh, John Petrucci thinks Dream Theater reunion talk could get weird in a bad way. I'm going to just say it. I, I, believe, I believe that the next Dream Theater album will have Mike Portnoy on drums. Next question. Just like... Like a guest spot or like, no, like no, literally think, he's their no, new drummer? I think, I think he's going to be in the band again. I, I okay. firmly believe that he's going to be um, behind the saddle for for the next album and next tour. I'm just putting that out there. Okay, here's here's my personal favorite headline of the week. Dave Mustaine could kick your ass, gets Brazilian jiu-jitsu belt to prove it. The man is 60 years old. I don't think he's kicking anyone's ass. But you know what? The God, God bless him. I mean, for some of the provocative stuff that he says on stage, he probably should have a a, 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 ju- a jujitsu belt around his waist. It would probably do do him well. Um, God bless. Uh, may, I watched the you, end of you Cobra have to Kai see last this night. photo of him with with Kiko Kiko Lorero. <laughs> who? <laughs> what is what is happening? What is happening? Um, <laughs> I watched the end of Cobra Kai last night. I won't give away any spoilers, but I guess I'm in that mood. So good, good for Dave. Uh, James Hetfield is selling cigars. Don't have enough money. I mean, Kiss is selling caskets, so why not sell cigars, right? Everyone, everyone's got their their beer or their liquor. Mazel tov, I guess. Uh, well, I haven't mentioned uh, Iced Earth enough on this episode. John Schaefer is hiding from the feds. <laughs> I may have to make a phone call or two. Um, th- that's that's insane. I I I I I hope he gets his comeuppance real soon. Uh, Sammy Hagar celebrating his seventy fifth birthday. I hope he can still drive fifty five. Um, th- that's seventy five, and doesn't he still want to go out on tour with them? Like from I what I heard, shock me. There, there, there's as long as he can still get his Cabo Wabo tequila, he's a happy camper. I think the the one time that's very good tequila, by the way. But the one time I saw Van Halen was with um, with Hagar, and he was great. And that was I'm going back probably close to twenty years, maybe two thousand six, something like that. I enjoyed the show. I I, I really did. I um, that's w- definitely one of my uh, life regrets was never getting to see Van Halen live. And, and I guess when they kind of cut their last full tour short, it, it's kind of understandable why now knowing what we know. And actually we just celebrated the, the um, anniversary of, uh, of Eddie's death, unfortunately, I don't, maybe celebrate isn't the right word. Although we do celebrate his, his importance in, in the world of rock and roll and, and heavy metal. We have um, to do a Van Halen album. Oh, without a doubt. The only question is is which one do you pick i mean do you go roth or hagar like do you uh or do or do you really get crazy and do van halen three with uh extremes uh i forgot extremes vocalist name but um gary sharon yeah gary sharon do a little my my sharon uh <laughs> van halen three um may have to put it up in a poll 
Uh, let's see. Ozzy Osbourne says David Lee Roth has lost a couple of nuts and bolts. He's like somewhere else. <laughs> is that the pot, pot kettle? The kettle? Is that the pot <laughs> calling the kettle black? I, I don't know what's going on there. Either that or you need to start worrying when Ozzy Osbourne starts calling you out for being crazy. <laughs> I recently Seriously. read I read a headline that said Ozzy Osbourne uh, quit doing um, what draw LSD was it LSD uh, because a horse told him to um, in like 1982. And I was like, this is the best headline I've ever seen. I, I don't even think Bojack Horseman was around in 1982. So there was, a, it was either him or Mr. Ed. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Like that's just from like the last couple of days. Maybe I, nice. I should spend a little more time in the future uh, of putting these together. But I mean, geez, in the, the world of rock and roll and metal, there's no, there's no, 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 I mean, no of headlines. Most, yeah, those were mostly just kind of hilarious. Um, I, I like it. I like it. Um, I wanna, I wanna kind of get into next week a little bit. Normally, normally we kind of surprise each other with our picks, but I, I wanted you to have ample time for my choice for next week. Number one, and number two, I also wanted you to um, time and 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 this one is 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 a brand new album. We've talked about it here and there in the past, but I thought it was time to do the new Dragonland album, The Power of the Night Star. I was very lucky to get a, an advanced copy of this. I've listened to it a half dozen times at this point, and I'll probably continue to do so until uh, we record our review of the album. Without getting into too much detail... This album is fantastic, and I really look forward to talking about it. It's been a while since we've done a new album that's kind of fresh off the presses, but I, I, I think, think, think I think no- Halloween was the last one we did. Yeah, if memory yeah. serves. And and it, and not only are we due for something new, but this album I thought was just the perfect choice because we haven't done anything by this band. Yep, um, it's a band that I've wanted to talk about. It's a band that um, we will get to chat with one of their members as long as we can come up with a some sort of uh some sort of um, way of of recording <laughs> said interview um <laughs> uh so that will be um we should be able to announce that uh on the power quest or power uh who are we talking about dragonland wow <laughs> uh the dragonland episode uh next week um but yeah, um, this album is a heavy hitter, um, and I think it's going to be uh, pretty high up on both of our year-end lists. I have uh, confidence in saying that. But um, yeah, we were definitely overdue for both uh, a, a, a modern album and a interview. And it looks yeah. like we should we be check getting... off all the boxes. Uh, yeah. and, and to that point, we are coming up on an anniversary. I guess it's been two years, which is crazy, but two years since we started the podcast or thereabouts. So um, if you look back in the archives, I think you can get a sense of what we might be covering in just a few weeks on the show. And then we got a fun little collaboration uh, at the end of the month, which will take us into uh, November. So lots of fun stuff here on the way. I hope you enjoyed the new segment and our review of Roland Grappo's Kaleidoscope. And we will catch you next week with some new material from Dragonland. And Uh, and let us not uh, forget two weeks in a row to to mention our friends at MSR cast and and the metal geeks podcast. Um, We like completely muffed that one last week and forgot to bring up the fact that uh, I was, 
a guest on the most recent episode of Metal Geeks and you were a guest on the most uh, recent episode of MSR Cast, we we made up for it hopefully by plugging it on all of our social media platforms, but uh, we completely um, drew a blank and forgot to mention it on last week's podcast. So uh, I, I just wanted to say thanks to them for um, both appearing on our podcast and inviting us on theirs. I have not listened to your um guest appearance yeah it just dropped yesterday but it's uh it's in my queue to listen to this week i'm, I'm kind of looking forward to i i don't listen to our podcast so i don't think i've ever really listened to you uh speak on a podcast for longer than a couple of minutes while i was like editing and stuff so it'll be interesting to hear you say something that i haven't actually heard yet yeah it's funny i i, I did listen to your appearance and i thoroughly enjoyed it everything from uh, metal to pop culture to TV, movies, video games. It was kind of like right in your wheelhouse. So I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. My appearance, uh, and, and obviously I would encourage everyone to listen to both. My appearance was really just a kind of a two hour metal roundtable discussion with some clips and some just, you know, kind of state of the union, if you will, for, for, for all things metal. A little bit of what we do on this show, but from a different slant. So um, I would encourage everyone, as I said, to, to check out both. I think there's going to be uh, entertaining stuff there as well. And I, I definitely think that you can expect more from all of us in the near future. I'll just I'll just say that. Yeah, I, I expect also that um, we will be collaborating with uh, Carrie and, and Sean and, and um, the other guys from Metal Geeks. Um, definitely in the future. I, I think that we've all kind of enjoyed our, our times, uh, you know, like hanging out with each other on these podcasts and i thought having a forehead a four four-headed uh round table discussion on, on merciful fate was um super interesting uh just to have a couple more uh talking heads in the room for other than just the two of us so um i would definitely venture to say that we'll do something like that again in the future no no doubt about it so thanks everyone for listening we will catch you next week with some Dragonland. enjoy the uh enjoy the week and i will catch up with you soon bud take it easy yeah i need i need another seven days to figure out what this song of the week is going to be next week because um right now it's like a 11 way tie <laughs> so i i don't think the they're gonna let us put I don't think they're going to let us play the entire album at the end of our podcast. So, although It'll just be yeah, the album of the week. That. Yeah, listen, can't, can't definitely can't. Uh, enjoy the week, bud. I, I'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Yeah.